0: Good morning, everyone. My name's Doug Hunt. That was my wife, Mary Ann, who led uh, us off this morning. Before I begin uh, this time of teaching, let's pause for a word of prayer, if you would, with me. Lord, we ask you to prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us. Soften our hearts, Lord, and remove the obstacles that may get in the way of listening and deep hearing from your spirit. Open our eyes to what you're doing around us, amongst our neighbors, in the Triangle and elsewhere, and around us where we live. We commit this time to you, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, to let you know where we're headed this morning, uh, Marianne, Marianne and I are team teaching today, so we'll be speaking on the topic of neighborly faith in the Triangle and first of all, we just want to th- give thanks for the excellent teachers we have here at FCBC. We've learned this week firsthand how much it takes to prepare a teaching. So to all those who teach, we want to express our thankfulness. We are indeed blessed here at FCBC to have so many gifted and willing teachers. So. This morning, take a trip with me down memory lane, if you would, to the summer of 2019. Do you remember those days when we could gather without masks, we could be outside? And in that summer, I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe June or July, we as a church held a church service at Brittingham Park. So many of you were there, I would imagine. It was a great day. We had worship at the park pavilion, followed by a potluck. And I recall that people were passing by on that busy path along Monona Bay. And they would stop and they would ask, like, who is this? What is this music? What are you about? And people from the Triangle came over and joined us as well uh, that morning. And it was a wonderful celebration. Well, it was on that day that I remember Scott Bessenecker announcing from the microphone that we are a neighborhood church. Now, it's very likely that other leaders have said, shared those words. But in that moment, I heard those words differently. And in my heart and spirit, they carried a prophetic weight. It was like a humble declaration that we belong in this neighborhood, and that we're committed to it, and those who live here. So this series of faith, hope, and love in the neighborhood builds on that declaration. While at present, not many of us live very close to the church and to the triangle. Um, Two weeks ago Scott reminded us that if we call FCBC home, then we share in the FCBC call to this specific area of Madison that includes the Greenbush, the UW campus, and Triangle. As the third in the speakers uh, of this series, I'm going to focus and Marianne will focus on uh, the Triangle. So some of you may know that uh, for the past eight months I've been participating in a, a cohort called Missio Madison. and. The elders uh, uh, supported my involvement with the group, and it's been a wonderful experience to gather with other church leaders from a variety of denominations, led by a, a uh, Dr. Christopher James of Dubuque Seminary. And it's, really, it's designed to, what, to build kinship, to learn from one another and support one another, and foster collaboration in conver- creatively conveying the message of the gospel to what's be- increasingly sort of a post-Christian Madison. Well, during those nine months, we focused on three crucial missional questions. Where are we? What's God up to here? And what might God be inviting us into? So this morning, before Mary Ann shares about what God's revealed and, uh, to us in, in the scripture, which we will uh, take from the call of Abraham, I want to just add a couple of things about the where we are question, a couple of answers with regard to the triangle. So you may recall two weeks ago Scott gave a background on this part of Madison as as the land that was originally settled by Ho-Chunk and then those folks, those indigenous people were pushed out and relocated to Nebraska. Over time this area was settled by immigrants, largely Italians from Sicily, Jews from Russia and blacks from migrating north from the Jim Crow South. So records from 1940 call these, this neighborhood, Greenbush and Triangle, as the main black neighborhoods of Madison. So this, you might wonder, well, why did this area attract so many immigrants? Well, it was the least expensive place to live. And it, again, in the records of the time, there, this area was known as Hell's Half Acre because so many residents didn't have water or electricity, streets weren't paved, and there were no curbs or gutters, and it flooded. This is a low lying area. When it flooded, observed a resident, they were always the last to get serviced. So over time, as the, as the triangles slipped further and further into disrepair, the clamor for urban renewal of the area amplified. This was back in the 1950s. And the Madison Redeveloped Authority, Redevelopment Authority eventually demolished over 200 residential structures and relocated over 1,100 residents of the triangle to other parts of the city. And by 1968, the entire triangle area had been leveled, including homes, places of worship, and local businesses. In their place, the city-owned subsidized housing was built, though not immediately. And as a result, the vibrant community life of the area was destroyed, along with the buildings and homes where many low-income families resided. In their place were built what's described, some described as towers in a park, and these were the favored favored by urban planners of the day. So that perhaps explains a little bit of what the triangle looks like. Fast forward to today, the triangle's home to over 600 people. Uh, it's a combination of folks who live in City-owned Community Development Authority or CDA housing, uh, most of those folks live in one-bedroom apartments and about 80% have a physical or mental disability. Average income in that among that group is uh, just over $12,000, which is only one-quarter of the Madison average. Another close to 300 people live in Bayview. Um, it's owned, those apartments are owned also by the Bayview Foundation And it includes families and over 115 children. 98% of the folks who live there come from Hmong, Latino, or African American background. And incomes there are uh, similarly low, around $17,000 for households, which again is about a quarter of what the Madison average is. Unfortunately, data like this really doesn't paint a very balanced, or human picture of the residents of the Triangle, but I think it's important to share some of those facts. But what the data doesn't sh- share or show is that the Triangle is full of wonderful, competent, capable people and they have a rich array of gifts. Skills and abilities. And it- The data hides the incredible creativity and resilience required to make ends meet week to week. The data also doesn't convey some things we've learned about the residents, particularly of of those who live in city-owned CDA housing. For example, many of the residents there don't have supportive extended families to whom they can turn for help. And also because so many live alone, one of the most pressing challenges is social isolation. So, the data perhaps does do one important thing, I hope, and that is to prompt us to ask other questions. Like, how did it happen that so many people with disabilities ended up living in in the CDA owned housing in the Triangle? And what's the history behind the high concentration of Hmong families who live at Bayview? And third, perhaps most important, how do we become acquainted with residents whose life experiences are so different from our own? I hope that we'll be able to answer some of those questions as we together ponder how we will express faith, hope, and love in the community. As believers, we need to know not only our community context, but we also want to understand and discern God's voice to help us interpret what we are encountering in the community context, and Marianne is going to help us with that.
1: So as Doug and I reflected on what might uh, what we might share this morning, we were drawn to the example of Abraham in Hebrews 11 and Genesis. The author holds Abraham as the premier example of a man who lived by faith, a man who said yes to God's invitation to leave his home and travel to the land God would show him. And there's many things. Uh, to learn from the life of Abraham. But for our purposes today, we want to highlight three principles we can take away from this account of Abraham's call. I'll cover the first two, and then Doug will take up the third. Genesis 12, 1-4, I'll read for you. The Lord had said to Abram, I leave, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1, after the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Verses five and seven continuing, God took him outside and said, "Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be Abraham Abram believed the Lord and credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord." Who brought you out of the Ur, out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you the land to make to take possession of it? My first opportunity to take a step of faith into the Triangle was early in 2019. It came after Bobette invited me to a meeting with someone at the at the Triangle Community Ministry to talk about their weekly art class, called Art for Life that was being held in the Brittingham Building community room. As I listened to the vision for the program, I began to get excited about the possibility uh, of volunteering with them. It seemed like a perfect fit, given my passion for art, my occupational therapy training, and experience working with people who have physical or other uh, challenges. So I said, yes to the opportunity to help. Within a month of taking that step, um, the lead staff person who carried the vision for the art program uh, resigned. So Chris, the lead volunteer, and I stepped up and took took it over. (laughs) All this was unexpected and, to be honest, a bit overwhelming god was asking me to walk by faith not only was the lead staff gone but chris and i were were also presented with the surprising good news that a resident had applied for a five thousand dollar grant for the art for life program and that it had been approved that was a blessing, it was, it was a blessing of course, but boy, it was a burden too. With any grant come stipulations and time deadlines. And with this grant came the expectations that the art class would need to create and facilitate a community art project. I found myself wondering how we were going to involve the community in this project when we had so few volunteers. But I knew that God had invited me into this volunteer position. So I clung to that in my heart. And what he provided met the needs above and beyond what I could have asked for or imagined. How did I see him meet some of those needs? Well. I saw God's hand of provision in Chris, who was a believer also. We prayed together and planned together, and that made the challenge of leading the art class more manageable. During this time, God also provided volunteers from FCBC, including Gayal and one of her workmates. God helped Doug initiate a book study with the residents. And members in the church responded to the invitation to provide Monday meals and lead chapel services. So in every instance, God provided what was needed to respond to his call. Class participants liked the idea of creating a community quilt focused on the people in the triangle. I remember the Monday night meal, uh, which uh, which included an opportunity for the residents to make a personalized square for the quilt. There was excitement in the room as residents created their quilt squares, and I could see afresh how the grant had strengthened the community and given purpose to the group. So everybody uh, traced their hand, and it it was so cool to see everybody participate. So the first principle is this. When God calls, God provides. Abraham was called to go in faith, trusting that God would show him the way and reveal the destination. Abraham had to also trust that God would also provide all that he needed for the journey. It was 900 miles, and (laughs) all the stories I'm sure he could tell. Looking back, I can now see so clearly that when God called me, he was faithful to provide for me. Towards the end of uh, 2019, my co-teacher Chris decided that she needed to retire, care for her family. I didn't know it at the time, but God was going to reveal his purposes in unexpected ways in the year that followed. COVID hit. (laughs) 2020, by uh, mid-February of 2020, all the meetings were canceled and gathering spaces became off-limits to residents and volunteers in the Triangle. So... Of course, Art Club was suspended. My time and effort were redirected to face mask making, and several women in church helped to make 170 masks, which we delivered to the Triangle and the neighborhood house. I won't forget that there was a man uh, at Carabas who was a recipient of one of our masks. He was wearing a coffee filter with rubber bands. And when we came um, with the masks, he just, the expression in his eyes and and the tears that welled up really, really touched me. You know, I I was thinking, (laughs) I wasn't thinking of how important that little gesture was. What we thought might be a temporary suspension of Art for Life classes turned into months and months. It was clear that the members of the art club were struggling with the abrupt end of their class and the increased insulation that came from COVID precautions. We can put the second picture up. So I made plans to meet outside with a group through the summer and early fall. <laughs> but the CDA would not re- supply tables or chairs, no access to water or bathrooms. <laughs> All of the supplies had to be separately packaged for participants to decrease the likelihood of COVID transmission. So the precautions were burdensome but God gave me capacity for it. It felt overwhelming, but people from church helped to support the effort. Susan, Sarah, the Wetzel girls, Janine, and Kim Walker, uh, who is from the Triangle Christian Ministry Board, um, and some of the residents pitched in and helped with the setup. And I received a generous donation from someone at church, financially, to be able to uh, buy supplies. That, That really was very, well it was just, I could just breathe because then I knew I didn't have to rely totally on the limited budget that was provided. In November, when it became too cold to meet outside, I was desperate to find ways to continue connecting with participants. By then, I knew that very few had positive support from extended family, and most had very little to do each day. Art was a lifeline for them. You know, it's, it always amazes me why I question the Lord. Lord, it's just an art class. How can that be such a big deal? But to them, it was a big deal. So right on time, God gave me an idea, (laughs) which I called Art Club in a Bag, (laughs) a take-home kit of supplies to make craft projects individually in their apartments. So God's provision and the call led to the fulfillment of his promise. And just as we heard in Genesis 15, when God had promised Abraham to be his shield and his very great reward, so too God was my shield. So the principle, the second principle is God's promise is given with a purpose. God's promise is given with a purpose. But the promise wasn't, made just to bless Abraham with descendants. God was concerned about all of humanity, and this was clearly expressed in the purpose of Abraham's call, that Abraham and his descendants would be a blessing to all people on earth, that the greatest blessing of all would be the restoration of a relationship between God and man, the blessing of the gospel in Jesus. Abraham is the father of that blessing. So during my time in the triangle in 2020 I saw God keeping promise, keeping his promise to provide what I needed. But looking back, I can also see his purposes that came with that promise. First, during all of 2020 God made made a way for the Triangle residents to continue connecting with one another through the art class. This reduced the strain and stress of the isolation brought about by COVID. And secondly, God had a purpose also to build faith in me. During 2020, God used a Bible study with other FCBC women to help me sustain for faithfulness to the call he had given me. In that Beth Moore study, appropriately entitled, Believing God, I was reminded of five truths. These five truths, um, I think there should be a slide. God was doing a a work in me. He wanted me to remember That God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God's word is alive and active in me. God's purpose for me was to be growing more into these five faith principles. Now it's 2021, and after 14 months of COVID, all meetings and gatherings in the common areas of the Triangle Buildings are still prohibited. Our club members are weary of the restriction, and so am I, to be to be really honest. I don't know. How can you teach an art class without being in person? The weather is warming up, but the project of meeting outdoors, the prospect of meeting outdoors and all the extra work that requires is daunting, as I lack a co-teacher to share the organizing and planning load, and no volunteers to help. So part of me wants to quit. (laughs) I've come to this point. Perhaps three times in these last few years. But God is reminding me that He's the one who has given the promise. And it is because of who He is that He will do what He says He will do. And God's reminding me that it's not about me, <laughs> it's about who I am in Him. And it's about His purposes that are at work in me and through me. God's reminding me to not walk in fear. It's like he told Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't walk in fear, walk by faith. He is my shield and great reward.
0: Thanks, Marianne. Mm -hmm. She's awesome, isn't she? Amazing. So, so pleased and proud that she could uh, share today. I just want to finish us up with the third principle, which uh, so we just quickly review. The first principle was when God calls, he also provides God's in the second that God's promises are given with a purpose. The third and final principle that, I, that we wanted to share is this, that God is for us individually and he's also for us as a community of his people. We see in Abraham's call that God was for Abraham and he loved Abraham and was with him through the twists and turns of his life. You might recall that his life wasn't all roses and uh, sunshine, right? He made some mistakes. There were triumphs, but there were also challenges and failures. But God used that time in Abraham's life to grow and shape his faith until the ultimate test that God gave Abraham on Mount Moriah when he was asked to present Isaac on the altar. I probably should put my glasses on. No wonder I can't see. There we go. So we see in Abraham's life story that God was as concerned about Abraham's transformation into a faithful follower as he was about using Abraham to fulfill a missional purpose. So, too, God is for each of us, not because he sees us as a means to the end, the fulfillment of his mission, but because we are his end. And the amazing thing is that God's method of accomplishing mission is designed also to transform us. We heard that in Marianne's stories, and we see it in Abraham's life. Abraham had come to know God's heart so intimately over those 50-plus years from Ur to Mount Moriah that he was willing even to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham knew he could trust God completely, believing that God could even raise Isaac from the dead, if need be, to fulfill his promise. And then God provided the ram. We also see in Abraham's story that God's, for Abraham's descendants, the Hebrew people, So there's not just an individual call and provision in Abraham's story, there is also a corporate element to God's call. And throughout the rest of the Bible, we see God's call lived out corporately in community. God's call to us is also a corporate call, a call to his FCBC people here in Madison in this specific place and this specific time in history. We know this is true because as God's children, we walk in the faith lineage of Abraham. We are an extension of the promise and purpose and provision that God gave to him. And we, too, are called to be people of blessing to our neighbors. Do we have all the answers of how this will work? No. As Scott said a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of messiness and sometimes a little magic in this work of loving and bringing hope and faith to the community. But you know what, Abraham didn't have all the answers either. So we walk with expectant anticipation that God is already on the move ahead of us, preparing us as a body for the good works he has in mind for us to do. And we know firsthand, all of us, that God is about actively building our faith. So even now, as we are on our own journey of finding our new place, our new church home, in many ways uh, Looking back at this over the last three years, the process has been disruptive and unsettling, but I believe it's also been a gift, for it's been a catalyst to a deeper understanding of what it means for us to be God's people and witnesses in this place. Even in this moment, when many things about our building are not clear, I believe that this is. God is extending to us a clear call to faith lived out in our neighborhood. From the first days of FCBC as a congregation, we felt the call to our neighbors. So it's an old call that we've walked in for over 40 years. But the call of faith to our neighbors today is also a new call. It's not new only because of our changing circumstances as a church, but also because of the changing nature of the community context in which we live. Our neighbors today are not the neighbors of the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. So our invitation is to learn new ways of relating to our neighbors that make sense for today. Will we step into faith, be it in the Greenbush neighborhood with the campus community or in the triangle? Will we ask the Lord for courage to step forward when God invites our participation in the neighborhood? Dr. Tony Evans says faith is both a matter of the mind and a matter of the feet. May we ask the Lord to highlight where He might have us join in, where He might have us put our faith in our feet and hands. God is inviting each of us us, to grow in curiosity and resolve and to join Him in new expressions of faith, hope, and love to our neighbors. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be like Abraham, to willingly respond to your prompts to step out in faith. Remind us, Lord, that we're not alone. You are with us. In fact, you're already working ahead of us. You are in the already. Help us to step into the not yet that you desire to see in our neighborhood. May we always strive to glorify you, Lord, and not ourselves, and may we walk in the power of your Holy Spirit as vessels of faith, carrying your hope and your love. Give us, Lord, the courage to step out in faith, to be your light to those around us, to be, to re, be ready to receive revelation of the good things that you have for us to do, and Lord, help us to prepare our hearts just as new wineskins are prepared to receive new wine soften our hearts to receive the new things you have for us in this season of our journey with you and we ask all of this in jesus name amen Amen. thank you very much faith community uh, it's great to be with you um, just a couple of announcements um... as we close this part of our service the um, speaking of the triangle next uh, so this is our moment when we can uh, plug a few uh, opportunities to be involved next Saturday May 1st uh, we've been invited by the triangle community Garden committee to come over and help they uh, have about 40 uh, plots over there that is and that are gardened by a combination of folks from Bayview and the CDA And some of the folks there uh, need help to get their garden plot prepped for the season. So uh, I'll be sending out an email uh, for more details, but if you have any time next Saturday between 10 10 and 2, you're welcome to come. Even if you can't garden, bring a camp chair (coughs) um, and meet some of our neighbors. There's a nice big field next door with a soccer ball and a frisbee. You could certainly, uh, you know, pass the time that way. But we'll be doing what we can with a combination of volunteers from this church, from some of the Missio Madison folks that I I know, and perhaps some college students as well. So uh, come out and join us. As Marianne mentioned, she still needs help with the art club. So if you have any interest in that, let her know. Um, By the way, if you get the Sunday paper, you'll see a... uh, great article about Bayview and their redevelopment project they're about to undertake. Uh, We got a a request this week, um, Doug Doug Alexander and I, from the Bayview volunteer coordinator. They're looking for someone to coordinate the the Bayview um, food pantry, which is available to residents there once a month. So that's a great opportunity to be involved in that dynamic and vibrant community. And then finally, uh, again, sort of like these things just bubble up as you're around and are present. Um, There's a a believer in the neighborhood who asked if we might find someone or consider uh, doing a book study with her over Zoom. She enjoyed that in the past. And again, with COVID, uh, that's another opportunity. So um, one of the things that Marianne and I have felt is the, desire to try, to, we know that many of you would like, I think, would like to be involved in the Triangle, and f- we'd like to be able to extend opportunities to more of, of you to be able to do that. It's not just our thing, it's in, and as many have been involved, we'd like to see more people uh, be able to respond to those opportunities. So we'll keep you in touch with all of those and let us know if you're interested in any of, the, uh, of those opportunities.